Join the conversation. Join the conversation. You're with Kate Talk. Well, in the previous half hour, we were talking with Alison Fote about her trip to Switzerland. And in setting up that interview, I was reminded of a story I've wanted to explore for quite some time on air. The concept of time banking, because I came across it with reference to Switzerland. Effectively, the idea is that... At a point in your life where you are fit and able and healthy and you've got time and skills to share, you put in a certain number of hours of service of some kind, knowing that one day when you may be old or infirm or recovering from an operation, for example, others will be prepared to do the same to help you. It's, it's volunteerism on a bartering scale, I guess you can call that. Effectively, you bank your hours by voluntarily helping those when you're in a position to do so. And then later on in life, you get to claim those hours back. And the Swiss Ministry of Health actually formalized this concept as part of an effort to better care for the elderly in that country. So volunteers in Switzerland, for example, may help a senior citizen with their shopping or help them set up their computer use and send an email for the first time. They might help with hairdressing or gardening service or help them change a life light bulb and do other household maintenance. Those are the kinds of tasks um, that, that, they, that they can volunteer, knowing that in turn, when they're a little older or, or are facing ill health, somebody will be there to help them with that kind of thing. And when we started looking into who we could invite to join us on the show to talk about this, we discovered very quickly that Switzerland isn't the only country where this concept exists. Uh, for one, Singapore is exploring the possibility of a formalized time back. So too is India. The concept is already well in use in the US and the UK. And it is to the UK we go today because on the line with us via Zoom is Sarah Bird, who is the CEO of Time Banking UK. Sarah, thank you so much for agreeing to chat to us today and explain a bit more about how this works. It's wonderful to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's our great pleasure. Um, I mean, the, the idea of working to a barter system is as old as time, Sarah. It's it's the thing we did before people came up with the idea of a currency, for one. So there's nothing really new about the concept, but it is new in being implemented in this way. Uh, tell us a little bit about how, how the concept developed. Yeah, well, we, don't, we know that um, Japan, we were one of the first people to explore this concept and in very much the way that you have described where people would help others and they would save and bank their time for um, when they might get older themselves or have an illness and they need to have some help themselves. Um, I think the model has changed um, and I know that um, in America and here that we very much try to encourage everyone to give and receive. So with these time banking hours, you can save them um, if you if you don't wish to have any support or help currently. Um, you can spend them obviously um, on a whole variety of different things. So we encourage people to sort of post their offers and requests live time. So whether that is something like helping somebody um, do some shopping, help with some cooking, walking a dog, um, it can be hundreds and hundreds of different things that people help one another with. Um, and I think the important bit is that everyone's time is equal. So an hour for an hour is simply that. It's not, um, hasn't got a value. So um, this is very much around um, encouraging people to recognize their own value and skills as well. So we thoroughly believe that every single person in society is of value. So this is very much an asset-based approach, yeah. uh, encouraging people to help one another. 
I love what you've just said about everybody having value and recognizing the value of people's time as being equal. You know, uh, I've met some people who sort of weigh up every choice they make in life and every decision they make about whether they will do a certain thing or not as to whether it's worth my time, that my time is more valuable than that person. So I would rather get somebody else to do this for me. Um, it's, It's a concept I've always found so problematic. I love what you've said about that recognition that from a CEO to the person working in the garden outside the big business corporation, your time is valuable and needs to be recognized as such, Sarah. Absolutely. And we're also finding that more and more organizations are looking at this time banking concept for exactly that reason, breaking down the kind of um, hierarchical structure in an organization, connecting people around mutual shared interests. So it's very much around uh, not looking at an individual um but actually what the interest is that you can share with somebody else. So an hour, for example, of visiting somebody that lives alone um, is exactly the same as somebody that might be helping to program your computer. and we don't put a value on it because if you were to say to somebody, how does how does that make you feel? You know, having someone pop in and see you when you live alone um, for two hours, they would say it's invaluable. Mm. Um, it's it's made a total difference to my life knowing that there's somebody there that I can have a chat with on a regular basis. We are talking to Sarah Bird, who is the CEO of Time Banking UK. We're struggling a little bit with the quality of the Zoom line. My apologies for the slight echo on the line. Um, but uh, we're going to push through in the hopes that, that you can get the gist of what Sarah is saying um, and, and, and keep up with our conversation about time banking. Just to our listeners, if you have any questions, uh, you can call us on 0214460567 or send a voice note to 0725671567 if you'd like to comment on the concept and what you hear hearing or ask a question, um, uh, you're very welcome to join the conversation. Sarah, I mean, take us a little bit back in the history of Time Banking UK. How how long has uh, your organisation been in operation? And do you want to tell us a little bit about the sort of the evolution of of the organisation? Of course, yeah. So Time Banking UK began in 2002 um, when our former chief executive learned about the time banking concept from a visit to America. And we set ourselves up really to provide all the resources and advice and support that communities across this country might need if they would like to set up a time bank or a time banking network themselves. Um, We provide things like um, training. We provide a time banking platform, which enables people to count their hours and post these offers and requests um, and even use um, an Android app in order to do so. Um, And we hold kind of um, national and regional events and networks with our time bank so they can talk to each other about any challenges, what's working well, swap ideas, and really sort of celebrate what is happening on the ground in their very local community. Mm. How many people are participating in the UK platform? So um, we've got around so active members, around 19,000 people across the country that are currently swapping an hour for an hour within their communities. Um, we've got over 100 actual time banks, but 
I think sometimes when we count the numbers of time banks, it can be a little bit unfair because you could have a time bank with 20 people or you could have a time bank that spans an entire county with thousands of people involved. So I think the, the more realistic view is the kind of the 19,000 people that are swapping time. And interestingly, um, our data showed that during COVID, during the pandemic, um, we hit the six millionth hour hmm. that was exchanged by two ladies in the south of the country who were supporting one another by phone um, and they clocked up that magical six millionth hour. Wow. What sorts of things are people doing? Do you want to give us a little bit more of an idea of the kinds of help that is being offered? I mean, you've mentioned the very social element of alleviating loneliness, physically spending time with a person talking to them. But what other examples can you share, Sarah? So this is about um, everyday things that you anyone and everyone can do so it it is as i said before it could be some shopping it could be walking somebody's dog um, while they're at work um, certainly visiting people that live alone is um, very very popular but we want to involve people across all ages so it's a case of sitting down with each person that joins the time bank and having a look and saying well what kinds of things can you do what kinds of things do you enjoy doing is it that you can speak another language is it that you can play a mu- musical instrument because this is something that you could maybe share with another person. And I think I've met personally so many people who really don't see their value. So they might be long-term unemployed, they might have a long-term health condition. And having run my own time bank many years ago, I have I've spoken to people who have said, you know, I haven't had a job for years and years. I really can't do anything. And when you sit down and say, do you like the outdoors? Oh, yes, I love the outdoors. Could you do somebody's, um, you know, mow somebody's lawn in the garden? Or could you help somebody with their shopping? Oh, well, I could do that. Is that the kinds of things? And once they understand that it's pretty much read a book to somebody, mm. um, you know, have a listening ear. Um, and all the things that you can, can you ride a bike? Can you swim? These are things that you might be able to teach another person. So very basic. Um, and I think just on that token, managing the expectations of people in the community is really important because time banking is not a professional service. So if somebody is helping another person, they're doing so to the best of their ability. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you want some help in the garden, that's great. But if you want your garden landscaped and you might have to pay for that, then yeah. that's what you'll have to do. So it's managing those expectations. That's a really important point. As you say, you're not paying a professional rate for a professional service. The idea here is more of the, the concept of the village acting like a village, Sarah, and uh, doing what once upon a time would have happened naturally within extended families and within a village setting. But the, the way we live in modern times, so scattered around the world, makes that much more challenging. I mean, already somebody saying to me on the SMS line, isn't this really what families were meant to do for one another? In an ideal world where large families are all together, and can look after the different generations at different times. Sarah, that would be uh, the solution. But the reality is that that very few families are, are able to live that way these days. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I also think that the sad thing is that there's so many of us, and, and myself included, that have lived in a street where... I didn't know the names of people mm. that were maybe two or three doors down. You could live in a block of flats and just not know somebody. So this is a, a mechanism of connecting people as well. And 
we asked people why would they like to join a time bank? Why would they actually like to do this? And there's a whole variety of different reasons. So it could be that people have got time on their hands, that they would like to do something practical and useful. It might be that they want to help another person or help out in their community. Um, and it might be that they want to earn these time banking hours because they might need some support themselves. Mm. So there is a whole variety of, of reasons why, why people would do this. And um, also our evidence is showing that when people get involved in this and they connect with other people and they make these kind of friendships that it lifts their mood that they feel less lonely they feel maybe less depressed um knowing that there's a support network out there that one day that you might need mm. Just for those who've come in late to the conversation, my guest joining us via Zoom from the UK is uh, Sarah. Sarah Bird is the CEO of Time Banking UK. Our apologies, it's not the best of Zoom lines, but we're going to push through in the hopes that you are able to understand, uh, even if it does sound a little bit tinny. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but Sarah, somebody very enthusiastically listening to this is our listener, Philippa, who is tuning in from Virginia in the USA. And she says, I assume you're going to share details of a website for time banking. Please could you ask your guest about time banking? banking in the US. I mentioned at the start that the concept does exist there. Uh, Sarah, I don't know if you've had any interaction with colleagues in America who are involved in the same thing? I absolutely have. Um, and in fact, I'm really pleased to say that um, Time Banks USA are partners of ours. Okay. Um, we're, at, we're actually holding an international time banking day next month. Um, so if anybody in America would like to find out more where their local time bank is or even start a time bank up, the website that you would need is timebanks.org. So timebanks with an S, timebanks.org. Um, and they are the USA equivalent to ourselves here in the UK. And in the UK, you're timebanking.org for those who are looking for uh, for the British equivalent. But Philippa, thank you for your interest. Now, um, important question here. If you are sending somebody who is potentially a complete stranger into potentially the home of another person, Sarah, um, I'm sure it's not only South Africans who would think immediately of security uh, perspectives and what do, you know, who are you allowing into your house and how do I know that this person is genuinely here to help and is not somebody spotting an opportunity to prey on a vulnerable person? Do you have to have any kind of police clearance to participate in time banking? How do you make sure that it's a bona fide offer of help? Yeah, so it's, I think that's really, really important. That's one of the first things that people will ask in communities. Um, how do I, you know, what safeguarding mechanisms are there? How do you manage risk? And the time bank as, is an entity um, and they're also guided by our framework as well. So when each person would join a time bank, they would disclose some of their personal information. So they would kind of join up, if you like, in a more formal way. Um, and each person as well is asked to give a couple of, um, well, I say it's not really references, it's about verifying that you are who you say you are really. So just two people that know you. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have an insurance company here that understands time banking and is happy to provide an insurance policy in case anything was to go wrong. And also, as you say, police checks. Um, here it's called the Disclosure and Barring Service. And I think if you are um, involving some vulnerable people, then that is a possibility that you can have that police check carried out if you so want to. However, we find that because time banks work on a very local level and people live very close to one another, um, there's very few things, I'm gonna be touching wood while I say this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm superstitious, but that things just really very rarely go wrong within a time bank because people are living very closely with each other. And this is just a way of introducing themselves. 
Sarah, is it something that only adults are involved in? Or in your experience, for example, could a teenager say, I'm prepared to go and mow the lawn for an elderly neighbour once a week or go and sit and read to them? Um, it strikes me that this would be a lovely way for younger people, firstly, to to learn skills of empathy, to, uh, to be more integrated into the community and help keep the elderly feeling included, but equally a way to recognise very early on, well, I like this kind of working environment. I don't like being outdoors or I do like working one-on-one with people, for example. There are lots of life lessons to be learned here. Are, are teenagers allowed to participate? Absolutely. We've had many, many youth time banks, as has America. Um, India um, have got a huge um, time bank there where young people are involved. Um, and I think it's really important for these intergenerational activities to be happening. So the time bank that I ran myself had schools, the university, um, you've got care homes, um, and you've got other support groups for older people to connect them together so that they can do activities with young and older people. There is no lower age limit to anyone doing time banking. I think it's incredibly useful for schools to introduce this concept to youngsters when they're um, at, at a young age. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for making time to speak to us today. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea and um, the opportunities for dealing with the crisis of loneliness and the crisis of mental health and isolation that we know is a worldwide thing. I think there there is so much benefit in a program like this. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us about it today and our best wishes to the team at Time Banking in the UK. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Sarah Bird, the CEO of Time Banking UK. And once again, if you want to read up more about how they put this concept into practice, their website is timebanking.org.